Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with $12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. With two ways to win and no rate. Circa Million with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. And Circa Survivor. Select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with $12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircaSports.com for details. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network presented by the Sporting Tribune. Um, We're also on Sports Map Radio Network. Thank you very much for that as well, Sports Map Radio. I'm joined as always by Armani Buckets and Mr. Brandon Deutsch. Guys, how are we doing this wonderful Friday? Better than uh, Justin Herbert's ribs. That dude took a freaking shot yesterday. I couldn't believe, I, I'm sure we're going to get into it, but I couldn't believe yeah. that he was able to stay in that game. That was nuts. Not only that, it's like after that play where he could barely run, just threw the ball down in pain, yeah. then the next play he makes one of the best passes we've seen in like a year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Crazy. Like just tight coverage to DeAndre Carter. And just, man, that was wild. I mean, that, that just shows you the mind over matter. Like the, well, in those, those games, strong, like, people yeah. don't realize, like in football, like a lot of those guys with the adrenaline, they don't feel their injuries a lot of times till after the game, or like the how severe they are. I mean, you know I know we're saying? yeah, I know we're gonna definitely get into it, but um, it definitely looked like he felt yeah, that was the severe beatdown. Because yeah. usually, if you get hit, you're like, okay, you feel it after the game, you take an ice bath. But if you're feeling it that much during the game, where you can't even like it's affecting your throw, that's a, that's a serious injury. That could he could be out a week or two. Yeah, I don't know. well. Um, I'm sure we're going to get to that in the headlines brought to you by Circa Sports, Circa Millions, and Circa Survivor Pro Football Contest. They're back with $12 million in guaranteed prizes. Visit CircaSports.com for details. Let's do this. Well, as we said before, Justin Herbert threw a costly Pick six when the Chargers had momentum and the Chiefs defeated L.A. 27-24 despite Herbert getting hurt and doing his best, guys, to get the Bolts back into the game. Was this a game that the Chargers should have won? Yes, um, it definitely was. I mean, you look at the 14-point difference when Justin Herbert is, you know, targeting Gerald Everett on three straight plays. Everett was actually signaling to come out of the game. He was kind of tired after, uh, you know, three straight targets. And Herbert rushed up to the line and Everett really didn't make an effort to go back to the football. And it was read like a book, that play. But that's a 14-point difference. They score that touchdown. The Chargers win easy. Not easy, but at least they put themselves in a position to win that game. Um, They did actually a really good job defensively, I thought, against Patrick Mahomes for, you know, for what Patrick Mahomes usually does. Um, they limited him a lot. Obviously, the it was the refs versus Chargers. A lot of people say I do think that interception should have stood. Um, you know, looking at it again, I didn't think it was indisputable. I mean, I thought I didn't know that they could over. It was ruled an interception, right? And I didn't see it hitting the ground enough for me to be like, yo, that's an incompletion. So I feel like Mahomes definitely got away with a couple things, but penalties. Chargers killed themselves with penalties on the other interception. It was pass interference, right? And Herbert, man, I mean, he was fantastic. 
that injury, and he still able was able to throw three touchdowns, you know, and touchdown after that injury, and put them at least close. And these are going to be close games, but the Chargers are definitely the better football team. And I think anybody who watched that game truly knows that the Chargers are a better, like, rounded football team. The Chiefs just have more experience, and they were able to win. I mean, I'm not knocking the Chiefs in their performance by any means, but you're right, Brandon. Penalties killed them, but oh, yeah. also missed calls yes, as yes, well. Yes. Um, looking at Austin Eckler, who got chucked out of bounds, and then they didn't, didn't Oh, yeah, stop the, the refs? What, it didn't make, that, oh, what about the interception that they ruled an incompletion? Absolutely. <laughs> it didn't, it, literally, none of this made any sense. Um, you know, I mean, maybe it's uh, uh, maybe it's my conspiracy theorist coming out in me, but maybe Amazon oh, needed the love, numbers. They or, love <laughs> the Chiefs, the refs. I don't know why. The league loves the Chiefs. They love when they win. They're a They're a likable team, man. They're Are a they? Yeah, they're a likable team. I sure as heck don't like them. Andy Reid enjoying his cheeseburgers after after winning a Super Bowl. Look, uh, Mahomes is forgive. a likable kid. Yeah, well, Mahomes is a great player. He's a generational talent. He's possibly the best talent we've ever seen in the NFL. But it's like... Man, I can't get away with like everyone's like, oh yeah, Patrick Mahomes won that Super Bowl. I think he was gifted the Super Bowl by he the was, 49ers, he right? He was not that good in that Super I know. Bowl. That, that <laughs> like was... Jimmy G overthrew the, and that was his one Super Bowl. And yeah. I, look, I love the kid. I think he'll win more Super Bowls. I think the Chiefs win more Super Bowls. I love Andy Reid, but I'm just kind of sick and tired of the Chiefs winning this division and getting helped by the refs. And I'm not saying that should you should never put yourself in a position to lose a game because of the refs. You know, about any sport, you should win it fair and square because, you know, the refs are just going to call their game, right? In, in both, in football and, and basketball, right? So I'm not saying like, oh, I'm not, because I'm not a Chargers fan. I'm not saying, oh, like, you know, the Chargers should have won, blah, 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 the refs versus Chargers. But it's like at the same time, I'm sick and tired of the Chiefs winning every year. And they have an obviously worse offense this year. I mean, it looks like, I wouldn't say completely depleted without Tyree Kill, but Mahomes has to do way more by himself to get other guys open. I mean, Juju wasn't even, he was kind of locked down that whole game. He had to get so many different guys open, and that just shows how great Mahomes is, you know? Yeah, uh, my my biggest takeaway for the Chargers is that this is back-to-back weeks now that they are not able to withhold a lead. Finish, I mean, with, yeah. With, finish, yes. With the Raiders game, 21-7, to and it ended up being a dogfight at the end that they ha- had to hold on to this game they're up 17 to 7 and then Herbert throws the pick six and everything goes downhill after that with the Chiefs I like what you just said Brandon because they're going to need somebody from a receiving standpoint besides Travis Kelsey if they really yeah Yeah, if they want to be elite like if they want to beat the Bills or even the Chargers Chargers in a in a playoff game they're going to need someone to step you up. add keenan allen's playmaking to the chargers receiving yeah. core after what you called brandon with mike williams having a huge night yep. imagine keenan allen now juju is that guy or supposedly supposed to be that guy marquez uh, valdez scantling and juju where are they i mean we've seen mccall hardman has been a fantasy breakout guy for years now and he's he is what he is i mean he's not a bad player he's good he's solid you know but he's never going to get you like 100 receiving yards yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? They don't have that guy besides Kelsey. And I mean, they've been using huge... Edwards Hilaire a lot, and I think that's helped that benefited them a lot. But once uh, teams start to figure out their scheme, and I know Reed does a really good job at changing up his scheme. We saw that in the difference between Arizona versus Arizona in week one and, and um, you know, against the Chargers in week two. I, look, I just feel like this Chiefs team, everyone's talking about in all of media, and it's not, I'm not going to fall victim to 
you know, recency bias, but this is a worse football team than last year. I still believe that. The defensive is horrid. Don't let it fool you that Chris Jones came off and did what he did. He's a star, but everyone else on that defense is is either inexperienced or just average. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, like I feel like the Chargers could have capitalized so much more. And we saw a different kind of Brandon Staley where there were a couple fourth and two plays where I said, go for it. Fourth and four at your own 30. I was thinking, why punt? And they were four for four on fourth downs. Exactly. So why not? And then like, well, and it boggles, yeah, it boggles my mind that, you know, last year you go for and it on almost more every conservative. fourth. And now you're more That's conservative. why yeah. they lost. And then what are these run plays? Did you see that one third and four where he just... The, uh, the pass game was just killing the Chiefs the whole time. And he runs Eckler, and everyone knows that they're going to run. Like, once they give Eckler the ball, that you're playing to the Chiefs' strengths. Their strengths is that defensive line, you know, with, with Chris Jones, right? That's, so. that's been going along with the takeaway about the Chargers is that, you know, killing the clock and being able to play situational football, that's been kind of the weakness that I've seen in, in terms yeah. of the same respect. It's play calling. Third and short and like can you convert those like short yardage downs. Here's a crazy stat though about the Chiefs. I I, I just saw this from Matt McMullen of uh, KC Chiefs Matt. Since 2018, the Chiefs are 28 and 15 in games in which they trailed at some point. They have the most such wins in the NFL during that span, and they've trailed in the third fewest games. And not only that, Mahomes is 11 and 8 when he trails by 10 or more. No other quarterback in history is above 500. That is nuts. Yeah. 11 and 8 when you're down by 10 or more. He's that guy, dude. He is that guy. It always happens, too. Like, it's insane. And I, look, my admiration for Mahomes is high. Like, obviously, he's one of one. He's a generational talent. And it just shows you, like, what, what I think is kind of funny is they're calling this, this chief still a juggernaut when he simply doesn't have the weapons. And it's just him trying to make things happen. And that's how great he is. But long term, when, when teams, unlike the Chargers, that are more disciplined and experienced, go after their secondary and go after their linebackers instead of running it up the middle against their strength and their defensive line, the Chiefs are going to have issues. But besides the Chargers and the Bills, who are those teams in the AFC? That can beat the Chiefs? Yeah. I didn't like what I saw from yeah. Cincinnati. Pro- probably just Ravens. the Ravens, maybe. I mean, I, I don't know. You'll probably say Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> Their defense, but I mean, I if don't think... If Watt comes back healthy, you know I will that's say That's a defensive Pittsburgh. team, though. But yeah, I mean, no, look, a Mike Tomlin... It's the same thing I say about the Niners and Kyle Shanahan. Any Mike Tomlin or Kyle Shanahan coach team can be dangerous, especially if you get in the second half of the season, they always play better. And then if you get them into the playoffs, it's a tough team to beat. Yeah. Same thing with the Steelers and Niners, you know? Yeah. Well, skipping over back to greatness, Mr. Mike Williams silenced the haters, uh, catching eight receptions for 113 yards with an incredible one-handed touchdown catch. Keenan Allen was obviously out, but his crucial, um, his crucial Williams production is Williams production. Sorry. Crucial to the Chargers success. Yes, it, it is. And I think week one, part of the reason why, you know, they got Allen, Carter, and Everett going early um, against the Raiders. And the game plan, the Raiders did a great job preventing those big plays for Mike Williams, which made Herbert have to do more with, you know, I wouldn't say less because those other guys are great, especially Allen, who's better than Mike Williams. But Mike Williams, from a talent perspective and just big play perspective, is a top five wide receiver when it comes to that. I mean, you saw that one hand catch and he's just a mismatch nightmare at 6'5", 230, you know, and his ability to just 
go up and get a ball. So I'm going to I'm going to say yeah. I think like part if they didn't have Mike Williams showing out yesterday, they would have gotten drilled and they needed that and they still need that when Allen comes back. Like Allen is known for your your third and 11 you need a a 20-yard reception. Allen, you know what I'm saying? But when it gets to the end zone, you need to I mean, they're trying to get it to Mike Williams and Gerald Everett. You know, so uh, look, Allen's going to get his touchdowns, but Mike Williams is going to need to, I wouldn't say play at this level, but at least 70 to 80 receiving yards average on a week basis, like maybe, maybe 60 at least in a touchdown because he's a mismatch nightmare. You know, they're going to need him. If they want to be the elite of the elite and get to their ceiling, they need Mike Williams to keep playing at least close to this level. I don't mean to make this about the Rams, but I, I find some similarities between Keenan Allen and Cooper Cup in the way that they're going to see a lot of double teams and two guys watching them, which means the Allen Robinsons and the Mike Williams are going to be facing more single coverage, and they have to do what you just said, Brandon. They have they to. Will. They will. I think will. we're going to see a huge week from Allen Robinson this week. I know I said that week one, and he didn't do it. And, you know, I'm look, I consider myself an expert in this field, especially when it comes to fantasy sports. I researched it a lot, and that was one of the one times I was wrong about Allen Robinson. But I said this week, I think he's going to have a big week. I said yesterday on TikTok, Mike Williams and Gerald are going to have huge days. They both did. And I truly believe, like, you going about the Rams and what they're going to do against the Falcons. Look, they had 10 days. They're embarrassed. They're going to come out probably out of the gate trying to get Allen Robinson involved because you know dang well that the Falcons defense is going to lock in on Cooper Cup, right? You just mentioned Gerald Everett, and I want to ask you both this question. Who, who are we placing more of the blame on on that interception? Herbert. Three options. Okay, Herbert, coaching staff for what you said earlier with not noticing that Everett was tired or Everett himself. Herbert. Um, I, and this is why. I, at that point, when it's that tight of coverage and the receiver's reading it like a book, you've you've targeted Everett. Who, Everett is just, by the way, one of the more underrated tight ends in the league. What he's able to do, move like a receiver. Did you see all those tackles he was breaking yesterday? So I get why they went back to him. But he was exhausted. He was signaling to go out. and But it's Herbert who was, you know, saying speed up, up tempo. And it was Herbert who decided to try and throw into that tight coverage instead of throwing the ball away. At that point, when it's that close, and I know you're expecting Everett to come back to the ball, but you got to throw that one away. Even if he came back to the ball, it's still intercepted. The guy jumped the pass. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't want to 100%, but I, I, think it's, I think it's a combo of all three. When, when you well, say, of course, but I, I, the like most blame, the in my opinion, blame? goes to Herbert. Um, and that's just because he's young. Like Mahomes doesn't do crap like that because he's a bit older. You know, he has a little more experience. I mean, he has like a few years more experience. But 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 that being said, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I guess you got to blame Herbert. But I, I want to, I, I want to blame the coaching staff so bad. Thank gosh, everyone's because, been blaming Everett. It's like not no, his fault. Like wanna, what is he supposed to do? That was an interception either way. Even if he comes back to the football. Yeah, I want to blame the coaching staff um, a little bit more than I want to blame the player on but, that. But, field but that was Herbert's that decision motion. to go up tempo. I know the play was preset, but like. They could have taken some more time and Everett could have gotten switched. And in fact, Staley probably was like talking to Everett before that play. And, you know, then all of a sudden they were lining up and Everett was just a hey, slant, you know, to the. Well, then know? that needs to be a communication between um, your quarterback and your tight end. Because exactly. That, because exactly. And that's why no they were talking after. That's why they were talking after. And it's Herbert's fault. Everyone on Twitter is like, oh, it's Everett's fault because, you know, they think Herbert is the second coming of Jesus. And I'm not saying he's not like he's great, but it's not Everett's fault and and i agree with you this again like why are the chargers so scared of like 
two-yard plays or three-yard plays. Dude, it's, it's so weird. It's like plays. they turn into a Stone Age offense it's when it's ridiculous. third and two. It's like if you're first and ten, second and ten, third and ten, they always find a way to get the first down. And when it's third and two... And, and it's like everyone knows, okay, Eckler's in the backfield. Either they're going to do a short pass to Eckler or he's running up the middle. And they read it like a book. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, if you have Keenan Allen, those plays are different because you can just slant him and you get him an eight-yard reception. But without Keenan Allen, I mean, DeAndre Carter's no slouch. Put him on a slant. And honestly, you know, third and two, I want to see. I know Eckler's awesome. Herbert I want to see. Not even that. I want to see Josh Kelly or Sony Michelle become that short yardage back because I don't think it's Eckler's like forte. Eckler's a yard after coverage guy, yeah. so he's a great runner when it's like second and ten, and like and he's the best. Either him, Christian McCaffrey, even Saquon's pretty good at this. But pass catching backs like Eckler's, you know, that guy, and we saw that right. And I think Travante Williams is similar to that, and he'll produce at that level too. But I agree with you, Armand. I think Sony Michelle needs those third and twos. Yeah. Well, let's move forward to week um, the rest of week two of the NFL season. Kicked off with the Chargers and the Chiefs, obviously, yesterday. But what game are you guys most looking forward to this weekend? And what is your upset pick of the week? Man, Armand, you can go first with the upset pick of the week. The game I'm most looking forward to is the Bills-Titans. And this is why. Um, the Titans own the Bills for whatever reason, the, like for years. I don't know why. It doesn't matter how bad the Titans are. They always find a way. Yeah. You know what I want to compare it to? I want to compare it to Miami versus the New England Patriots. Clippers-Lakers. doesn't matter how good the Lakers are. <laughs> no, the no, Clippers no, 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 always no. win. No, because because as that's as of late. That's not like throughout the history The last of time. like eight years, it's been like Clippers. Thirty-seven to I, like ten or I'm, something. I'm just, I'm just saying, yeah. Uh, over the, with the switchover of the regime, then yes, I totally understand that. Yeah. And I get that, but I'm saying, like, if you look at New England and Miami's or, numbers yeah. against one another, I know Miami it's always, ridiculous. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's what about? I think the same thing. With same the thing with Dodgers Giants. Giants always yeah. somehow like win a series against the Dodgers. Nin- out of nowhere, Niners Rams. out of nowhere. Niners, Niners Rams. Rams. Yeah. <laughs> Except the Niners couldn't win the one game that mattered after they beat well, the Rams like eight straight season. times. We're talking regular season. I know, season. We're not but talking I know, but like. That, it's yes, and it's it's crazy because I'm looking forward to that game for one thing. The Mike Rabel, great coach defensively, especially his offense looked awful in Week One against the Giants. Against honestly a bad defense in the Giants. No offense, G. Hey, oh, I none mean, taken. Are you kidding me? I didn't I even mean, think we were going to win. They made they made that defense look like it was uh, like, Pristine, like Legion of Boom music, or yeah. something. I mean, I, I, look, everyone in in. Everyone knew that Henry was running up the middle every time they had first and 10 or second and 10. It's like, poor Derrick Henry. Like, the guy's like the most talented back in the league. And it's like, what, you're just, everyone knows you're running up the middle. Get him involved as a pass catcher. Don't put in Hilliard to get your touchdowns. Like, get Henry involved as a pass catcher. Which you though? Because that's not really his strength. No, but at least you can switch it up because every time he's on the field, everyone knows it's either Tannehill, you know, is like doing some sort of short pass or Henry's running up the middle. You know what I'm saying? It, yeah. And it's like, that's not a recipe for success. Still, Henry is the best talent-wise, best back in the league, best rusher in the league. And I do expect him to have a bounce back week, even against the good Bills defense. I mean, we saw we saw what Henderson was able to do against, uh, you know, the Bills. I mean, not amazing, but I mean, he still got eight yards against the Bills every once in a while. And Henry is 10 times the player Henderson is. So I'm interested to see. I think that's going to be a really close game. The line favors the Bills, but I do think that's going to be a very close game. And I actually think the Titans are going to win that game. Wow, that's that's bold. Uh, the homer in me is excited for Bears Packers. Obviously, the um, 
the NFL fan in me is excited for the other Monday Night Football game, Vikings-Eagles. I don't like how they kind of overlap the games. It's kind of lame because I Eagles don't Eagles are how. winning that game, by the way. I don't know if that's an upset. That is not an upset according to Vegas. They're two-point favorites, but I do like that call. This is, there's a lot of good teams right now. I know the NFC was kind of thought of as the weaker conference, but there's a lot of solid teams in the NFC right now, depending on what the Packers and maybe, you know, the Eagles, what the Rams turn into. Um, But this might end up being an NFC like championship game preview. Kind of underratedly, I know Brandon is, is shaking his head. No, it's, it's, don't the overreact. Vikings. It's still Niners, Bucks, and Rams are the class of the NFC. I really like the Eagles. I don't like Kirk Cousins, so probably Unless, not. If the Niners lose this week to Seattle, then like they're nixed out of that yeah. like elite. But That's, Eagles are good. I agree. Yeah, no, I mean to be honest with you, I'm really just looking forward to some football. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I don't have an upset. I don't have anything right, right what now. What about today? What are we gonna too? watch today? On fr- on Friday night, exactly. Uh, I I mean, I I guess I don't know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, like, NFL needs to start having games on Friday or Saturday. <laughs> okay, let's not get greedy. Let's not get greedy. Um, well. Um, let's leave it there for now and not get greedy. We're uh, going to come back and get a little bit more greedy with um, Mr. Michael Duarte when we come back on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio, um, 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network and Sports Map Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with $12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. With two ways to win and no rate. Circa Million with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. And Circa Survivor. Select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with $12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircaSports.com for details. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas, the Hawaii Sports Radio Network and Sports App Radio Network. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or just want to win tickets to an upcoming game in LA, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, please call our hotline at 310-400-0340. Again, that number is 310-400-0340. Okay, let's go to Circus Sports Guest Hotline, Circa Millions, and Circus Survivor Pro Football Contest with 12 million in guaranteed prizes are back. Visit CircusSports.com for details. And here we have it. Mr. Duarte, the man of the hour. We are so blessed to have you. Michael, how are you doing? Uh, Jihei, I am okay, I guess. I have been cleaning cheap champagne and beer out of my clothes, <laughs> hair, and other body parts I won't go into for the last 36 hours. But other than that, I'm good. And uh, yeah, the reason why I have to do that, you know, it's a, it's a blessing, not a curse. Yeah, Michael, um, let's start there. The Dodgers, right? They go into a series against the Giants. I had this in the headlines. We didn't get to it. The Gi- We were talking about this with like the, the Titans and Bills. Like somehow the Titans always beat the Bills. Like the Clippers always beat the Lakers and the Giants somehow, doesn't matter how bad they are, always take a game or two that the Dodgers should win away from the Dodgers. What are your thoughts going into the series? Do they win 100 games after this three game set? Do they win two out of three or do they lose two out of three? 
Yeah, that's another good question. You know, there are some reports, I don't know how credible they are out of San Francisco, that some players uh, are getting a little frustrated with uh, manager Gabe Kapler. Uh, certainly, we saw what happened uh, last week with one of his relief pitchers uh, arguing with him, yelling at him, chirping at his their own manager uh, when he came to take him out of a game, uh, and something that became an issue post-game. So you don't know how much accuracy there is to it, but certainly there are some signs of that that we see ourselves on the field, at least with certain players. So you wonder if there's some dysfunction with the Giants. Obviously, you go out and you win 107 games, a franchise record for the Giants. You steal the NL West from the Los Angeles Dodgers after they had won eight consecutive NL West titles, and now they're right back on top this year, whereas the Giants have completely fallen off a a precipitous cliff. Uh, They are, uh, I think, 10 or 9 games right now out of a a playoff spot. Uh, They're not going anywhere. Uh, unfortunately, it seems like this year they're below 500 and, and things just went from really, really good to really, really bad in San Francisco. And you wonder if there's going to be need for a change uh, this season. So, you know, you have uh, a hot team, obviously the best team in baseball coming in against a team that is headed in different directions. Like these are two stocks that, you know, if you do any stock trading out there, one is a must buy and that would be the Dodgers and the other one is a must sell right now. Uh, in the Giants. So that that is what I'm seeing about this series. But there is one thing that you asked, Brandon, that, that does come to place that I did talk about uh, and bring to the attention of many players when I was in that locker room with post-game celebration. I know they were focusing on the fact that they won their ninth NLS division title in 10 years. Uh, but when the champagne bottles were finally put in the tubs and wheeled out of the locker room and the plastic was taken down covering the individual lockers and players went and showered and got dressed, now it's time for me to come with the heavy-hitting questions, right? Call me Mike Tyson because I'm coming with a knockout. <laughs> so I, I asked them, like, you guys clinched the division with on September 13th, 14th with 20 games left. How on earth do you not allow complacency to set in? How do you – and clearly that happened, you know, in the following game. I know they played well. I know they had a lead going down to the final strike before – Craig Kimball served up that three-run home run. They lose in 10 innings. Uh, but but how, you know, do you, when, when now the eyes are all on the ultimate prize, when everything is on the playoffs, how do you not become a little bit complacent? Winning just isn't, you're not, that thirst isn't there, that hunger isn't there, that urgency that you need to, isn't there. Uh, and nobody could really give me a good answer outside of, we know that's bad. Uh, that's a Cody Bellinger quote, by the way. <laughs> uh, but but Freddie, that shouldn't surprise you. But no. <laughs> Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, uh, Trey Turner, the veterans on the team just told me, look, we need to lead by example. We come in, we, we, we are businesslike with our attitude. We will come in and try to win every single day that individual game. And that's not going to change regardless of where we have you know, 20 games left or not. I asked them a really good question that you just asked, Brandon, which is, do you guys now set little goals to help motivate you? Meaning, uh, let's get two more so we can get to 100. Okay, we got to 100. Let's get seven more to break our own franchise record so we can get 107. Let's get three more after that to get to 110, uh, which is just a cool benchmark to get to. They're obviously not going to break the all-time record now, uh, but they can get to 110 wins, and maybe that should be a goal they set for themselves to to remain motivated. Uh, they told me they're not, they don't do that. They don't need to do that, they said. They're just going to go look at it and take it day by day and try to win each day's game. So to, to your point, that's the thing that they're going to be battling in this three-game series with the Giants. Uh, but then after that, you got five straight with Arizona, who, who appears to be kind of rolling over. I think they're going to win three or four out of those five, but there's a doubleheader in there. 
So I think they're going to be okay ultimately, but I wouldn't be surprised if they lost two or three here to the Giants. Michael, my question is about the NL East. The Mets are currently a game up on the Braves. Who do you think is going to win that division? And also, do you think that the winner of that division is the Dodgers' biggest threat in the National League? 100%. Uh, We've talked about it on this show. The immovable force uh, meets the unstoppable object, or the unstoppable force, excuse me, meets the immovable object. To me, that is the Los Angeles Dodgers and the winner coming out of the National League East whether it is the Mets or Braves. Now, there's a lot of conversation that I've been having uh, with colleagues in the press box. Uh, I I wouldn't dare have it with players right now because I know the answers I'm going to get. But I've been having it with with fellow journalists and colleagues. And I've been asking them straight up uh, if there's an inevitable match. First of all, I would ask them, who would you rather play, the Mets or Braves? Uh, And then the second one is, is if there is an inevitable matchup at some point with the New York Mets, you know, who would you rather face there in a seven-game series, the Mets, or would you rather face them in a five-game NLCS prior to that? Because I do think it's going to be an, an NL West, NL East showdown in the NLCS. Uh, and the answers I've been getting are that you'd rather face the Mets in a five-game series and that it's the Mets that have all the pressure to win the East because if they don't win the East, and yes, you have DeGrom, and yes, you have Scherzer, but they are a little bit older, and they are coming off of arm injuries and problems. You have these issues going into what could potentially be a three-game series and then a five-game series uh, with a team like the Dodgers. They'll be sitting there waiting for them, licking their chops. So it sounds like the consensus from people I've talked to is that uh, the Mets better win the NLEs because if they don't, they're going to be looking at a very, very difficult pathway to get to the World Series, and the Dodgers will be there waiting for him, which isn't a good recipe for success for the Mets. With that said, to me, just looking at everything, the Braves are the hotter team over the last, say, month and a half, second half of the season. Uh, They're the hotter team over the last couple weeks, and they have two games in hand right now. So uh, if I was a betting man, I would be putting my chips on the Braves right now to to win the East, which, which means that you would potentially, as the Dodgers, Uh, get the Mets in a five-game series in which you'd see DeGrom and Scherzer potentially in game one and two, and then you might see him again in four and five. To me, that's a very dangerous prospect, but if they're a little bit beaten up coming in, maybe that would work in their benefit. My next question, Michael, is about the American League. The Astros are considered the favorites right now. I want to know, first of all, do you think the Astros are the favorites in the American League? And second of all, with the Yankees having slid a lot in the second half of the season, although they've picked it up of late, do you still think the Yankees are the second best team in the American League? And if not, who do you think is the Astros' biggest threat to the American League crown? Yeah, I mean, we have to kind of just go out and say that the Astros are the favorites for sure. They have the best record by far. Uh, They also have the best pitching staff statistically right now. Uh, It was the Yankees earlier in the season, but the Astros have just been there, and they've been more consistent. Uh, And they have the presumptuous AL Cy Young Award winner in Justin Verlander, who coming off of a a two-and-a-half-year absence is absolutely killing it right now. So uh, you have to assume that. On top of that, if you look at who's been playing the World Series the last five years, you know, the Astros were in it in 17. Uh, they were in it in 19. They were in it again uh, recently in, in 2021 last year. So, you know, that kind of dominance in World Series appearance is on par 
with what the Dodgers have done. Even when they had a down year in the shortened 60-game season of the 2020 pandemic, they still went to a Game 7 with the Rays in the American League Championship. So that team, seemingly, is always there, either to the end in the World Series or as close as possible. With that said, would the, would the Dodgers fans and Dodgers Nation love a little payback World Series against the cheating Astros uh, this fall? Sure, they'd take that. But I think the dream matchup is the Yankees. And I think that people are now sleeping on them. Yes, they went through a little like slump for a bit. But they've won eight out of their last ten games. Aaron Judge is absolutely on fire. The pitching is coming back. The bullpen looks strong again. They're starting to figure some things out. Uh, so, so I say this, don't sleep on the Yankees. But still, uh, the Astros seem to be... Uh, the team to beat. They seem to be the most consistent. They seem to be the team that consistently gets to the fall classic. So I still think that is uh, the team that will represent the AL uh, in the World Series. But I do say, uh, because we've been shitting on the Yankees for so long the last couple months, uh, as they've gone up in this precipitous fall, that we don't sleep on them right now. And one last thing I want to say, Armand, about baseball. Shout out to the Tampa Bay Rays, who on Thursday did something that was record-breaking and made history in Major League Baseball, which we don't see too often. Uh, all nine players, one through nine in the lineup, were all Latinos. We're all from uh, Latino or Hispanic descent. Uh, and I think that was pretty cool. So uh, shout out to the Rays for that. Yeah, that is awesome. I actually did not hear about that until you just mentioned it. I want to switch gears to the NFL really quickly. And I know that you and Brandon had this discussion prior to the show, but I want to ask you on air, Trey Lance, the Niners are hosting the Seahawks. You do support the San Francisco 49ers. Trey Lance, if he were to struggle this week, do you think that the Jimmy Garoppolo coming in and replacing Trey Lance is a possibility yet? Or if not, how long of a rope do you think Trey Lance has as a starter? Uh, San Francisco 49ers have one of the toughest schedules in the NFL, only uh, less tough than the Los Angeles Rams and the Arizona Cardinals. And and this is just based off of last year's postseason teams and the record. And, and, and I honestly think, and we've talked about this on the show, and Brian and I have talked about this, that most of those playoff teams that made it last year are probably going to make it this year. There's only one or two, and I'm looking at like the Baltimore Ravens, the Indianapolis Colts, who didn't make it that I think do get in this year that didn't get in last year. I still believe when the dust settles that the NFC West will have three teams in the postseason, in the Cardinals, Rams, and Niners. But with that said, my point of that is when you have these gimmies, right? You know, these gimme putts, and you don't get mulligans in the NFL. Uh, and to me, the Bears were a gimme. You got to win that. Now, to Brandon's point, yes, it's just week one. The Rams are obviously saying the same thing this week. So are the Cardinals. Uh, but those two teams played the Chiefs and the Bills, two teams we know are going to be in the playoffs at the end. The, the Niners played the Bears. And yeah, you can make you can you can make more excuses, you know, uh, than a, than a John Gruden apology tour. Mm-hmm. But in this case, the, the rain, the wet field, or whatever, it doesn't take away from Trey Lance's fifty point three QBR rating, his forty six percent completion percentage, and the biggest thing is the interception at the end of the game. That really, really, in my opinion, was just the worst time to possibly do that. So, to your point, Armand, how long? Could we see? And we knew Trey Lance was going to have growing pains uh, once he took over the role. Shoot, Pat Mahomes 
had some up and down moments when he finally ascended that role and took over for Alex Smith in Kansas City. And obviously it's the better move long term. Uh, and Brandon and I will agree that yep. Trey Lance is the better move long term. So you have to let this ride. But to my point, early on, I mentioned, you know, what's going to happen with Debo Samuel? Okay, Debo got paid. He came back. That's great. But what's going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo? He needed to be moved on somewhere else. So there was nobody looking over Trey Lance's shoulder throughout the season. Uh, my fear is that fans, uh, pressure on Kyle Shanahan, because look, you know, in this league, there's a coaching carousel. Uh, and coaches don't get very long leashes, unfortunately. They're the ones who take the blame when things don't go bad. So how long does Kyle Shanahan stay with this experiment is, is another possible example. Uh, if Trey Lance continues to struggle, you could see by like week three or four, maybe Jimmy G getting a chance to step in and right the ship or stabilize it. So that's what my biggest fear is. And to your question, I'm on, uh, you know, if they struggle out the gate, first three to five games, that would be the time where you would see Jimmy come back. Yeah, and Michael, to add on to that, let me just tell listeners this. From Pro Football Focus, NFL leader in big-time throw percentage after one week, Trey Lance, 6.9%. A definition of that, big-time throw is best described as a pass with excellent ball location and timing generally thrown further down the field into a tighter window. Remember, people are judging Trey Lance off a monsoon game where, by the way, ran for 60 yards... He made a couple of great passes. Yeah, he threw that interception in pouring rain. But I think we're going to see a much better Trey Lance in a much better direction of this team after this week. I think he really shows that he'll go off. And think about this, too. Trey Lance is 22. When Josh Allen was 22, he completed 53% of his throws and had more picks than TDs. Right? No one's talking about this stuff. Active QBs with similar um, numbers through three career starts. Trey Lance, 605 passing yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions. Josh Allen, 592 passing yards, two touchdowns, four interceptions. So Josh Allen was worse through three career starts. And I look, I, patience is but, a virtue. We can't go roll with Jimmy just for him to blow another Super Bowl or another NFC championship because he can't throw the ball downfield. Yeah, but, you know? the, but the NFL is known for not but, having patience. But look, exactly, and that's my point, Brandon. You and I are rational, uh, <laughs> intelligent 49ers fans. Yeah. That does not represent all of Niners Nation. And you're right. Trey Lance led the team in rushing last week, uh, but he also had a fumble. It wasn't a lost fumble, but he also fumbled in that wet monsoon wedding. So that was a, that could have been potentially a second turnover uh, on his docket at that point. But my point is, is, the Bears are going to be a bad team, and they should have won that game monsoon or not. They were dominating defensively, in my opinion, for most of that game outside of one drive that occurred after that interception. Two, you are now posting the Seahawks at home at Levi Stadium. There's no more going to be monsoon this time on Sunday. There's no more wet field. There's no more excuses to make because of that that you and I were making. Uh, and, and to your point, we know this about Trey Lance, but Josh Allen didn't have uh, a Super Bowl quarterback uh, who prior to opening day was making $25 million right behind him, ready to, to breathe down his neck. Uh, and Alex Smith was traded out of Kansas City by the time Patrick Mahomes took over uh, and didn't have a backup breathing down his neck. Uh, this is more like the Aaron Rodgers-Brett Favre situation in a way. You know what I mean? When Aaron Rodgers did finally take over, but Brett Favre was there, and then it was... A bad blood issue, and they ultimately had to trade Brett Favre. Well, they didn't trade Jimmy Garoppolo. So, my point is if you struggle or lose to the Seahawks, 
another team that was predicted to be very bad this year. I know they ended up shocking the the, the Denver Broncos uh, on Monday Night Football in their first game, but uh, you know I'd say that's more the Broncos losing the game than the Seahawks winning the game. But if you go out there and Geno Smith outplays outplays Trey Lance and you lose to the Seahawks and you're now zero and two when you should be two and zero. Now there's going to be, to Jihei's point, some people saying we don't have time to be patient and let Trey Lance do this because our window with the rest of the pieces around us uh, to compete and make the playoffs and win a Super Bowl is soon. And to my point, uh, you know, Shanahan may be under contract for for the short-term future, but coaches, they don't last very long. uh, And they take the blame and they get fired mid-season. Look what happened to Urban Meyer last year and others. So... Uh, if you're Kyle Shanahan, sometimes you think it's more about keeping your job and doing whatever you can rather than what's best long-term for the future of the team. Yeah, Michael, 25 seconds here. I want to get your thoughts on the Rams going up against the uh, Falcons this week. What are you looking to see for a team like the Rams trying to bounce back? Per- perfect. Thank you. This is I appreciate it. I'll try to go as fast as I can, right? Like, I mean, the Rams in that first game, they couldn't bust a, a grape in a fruit fight. Um <laughs> And I look, I look at some of the things like where I saw weaknesses, right? Jalen Ramsey does not appear to be in game shape yet from his shoulder surgery. He doesn't appear to have the conditioning yet. Uh, I'm going to call him toast for the next couple of days because that guy got burnt. And then we're looking at uh, the Rams' offensive line, which they're going to be without Brian Allen this week. Uh, Joe Nopum appears to be a little bit beat up. This, this, this offensive line for the Rams was as thin as a three-month-old three bar of soap as it was, and now it's just got a little bit more thinner and brittle. Thankfully, you don't have the Bills pass rush this week. Uh, you have actually the team that was ranked the worst uh, in pass rush last season in the Atlanta Falcons. That's a good thing. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, one good point was they had A.J. Terrell and Casey Hayward Jr. They had some guys that were supposedly good cornerbacks, but those guys got that also got lit up uh, by the Saints last week. So I think the Rams' passing attack is going to be very good, and we all know the Rams are a pass-heavy first offense and what i mean by pass heavy first is first they throw to cooper cup then they throw to cooper cup then they throw to cooper (laughs) cup again and so it's a very heavy cooper cup offense so i think matthew stafford needs to do a better job of spreading the ball around this week i think cam Akers is going to get more involved this is exactly what the rams needed to me this is a like a a horrible game for the falcons to come into sofi stadium for the rams got embarrassed they're the champs right they have pride you have sean mcveigh who's a coaching guru Uh, you have a lot of veteran talented players on this team that just preserve a big old slice of humble pie and they are licking their chops after getting an extra three days of rest and more three days to prepare for this team and they're getting a team in the Falcons that is not supposed to be very good that we all know is going to be among the bottom of the league and a top five draft pick so I uh, I think the Rams win big this week and I wouldn't want to be the Falcons coming in and playing this team after what happened last week. Well, thank you so much, Michael. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do this again on Monday, guys. Until then, this is the Arash Markazi Show saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.